morning, guys. Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome, guys. The rumor mill surrounding UFC 300, it keeps on going right here on this episode today. I'm going to get into John Jones's comment. He claims that he was asked to fight in the main event, but he's a little light on the other details. Plus, Adesanya's coach has spoken up about Izzy's lackluster performance when he dropped the strap to Sean Strickland. I also got some thoughts on Volkanovski. He's damn near the underdog coming against Taporia. We got all sorts of stuff to get to, guys. Let's begin here. Ariel Helwani has just stated on the MMA Hour, which lasts more than 60 minutes. Play with that one. While you're thinking about that, think about this. He claims that the number one fight the UFC would like for 300 is Leon Edwards versus Chemayev. Now, for Ariel to say it, it would have been checked, confirmed, and reconfirmed. Make sure you understand what he's saying. So I'm going to repeat the quote. The number one fight the UFC would like to have right now for UFC 300 is a title fight between Chemayev and Leon Edwards. Now, the reason I just want to make sure that you understand each one of those words matter is this is moving. So two weeks ago, just by example, when Dana kind of looked like, uh, you know, might let the cat out of the bag and people were trying to pull it out of him. He's, he's going to hold on to this information a little bit longer. It could have been a very different answer then. In fact, he might have not even been looking at the welterweight division. It can be completely different. I personally can tell you, for sure and without question, they went for Izzy versus DDP. I feel confident in telling you that's the main event. I must disclose to you, they never actually told DDP or Izzy it was the main event. Everybody assumed it, but they never actually said it. John Jones stated as recently as over the weekend that he was wanted for a main event. I don't believe him. I don't believe he was told main event. Now, he would have been. I do get that. I'm sharing for you that that, that specific detail is a little bit loose. So when Ariel comes out and he says, as of today, that's the one, then that means it's the one. And it doesn't mean it's the one one hour from now. It means it's the one. Ariel will know. And the issue does not appear to be Chemayev and the weight class, of which Chemayev has not made the weight class for well over a year, of which Chemayev has not made the weight class in three weigh-ins. So it's it's a lot to bet. Right, guys, don't forget the 178 business. So for that fight, he does not weigh 170. And for his last fight, which is the number one contendership at 185, which is big, Wonderful, by the way. Lean, strong, looked the whole bit. It was not 170 pounds. He's got to make scratch weight. This is a guy that hasn't made it in three. Owen, by the way, did try one of them and had an eight-pound fail, and you're going to bring him back to the same jurisdiction, but for a lot higher stakes. It's, it's just a very interesting move. I have no problem with it. It's an interesting move. Can we all agree on that? Okay. And allegedly, the bigger problem is not the weight, which would be for me. It's not the weight. It's getting into the country. Apparently, some of those visa issues 
and travel restrictions that we keep hearing about that nobody will confirm or deny for us. Apparently, appears to be some legs to that. All right. Now, I love when a fight like that gets made or a fight like that gets announced because of all the things that it tells us. Right. And it doesn't overly matter. Like if Ariel's information is true, it doesn't matter if that fight happens or it doesn't happen. If that's the fight that they went for, then you have an absolute pan to Blal. And I just don't think that Muhammad's done anything wrong. In fact, I think Blal Muhammad has done everything right. I think the UFC, to go a step further, wishes they had an entire roster of guys like Muhammad. I know that there is a continued narrative that it is a referendum on him. But I just can't think of anywhere he went wrong. I can't think of anything he did wrong. I can't think of him more of a team player. I can't think of more of a strategist. I can't think of a guy that built his name and built his brand. If you look at where Mohammed was at a year ago, there was no bigger star. There is, in fact, there's only a comparison to one. And you that's if you go back one year. If you would like to go back two years, go ahead. It's still Mohammed and it's still Sean Strickland. If you look at where they were versus where they are, there is nobody that has put a gap like those two. So I don't totally believe that Muhammad has done something wrong. There does, if this is accurate, appear to be a full-scale initiative to get the belt off Leon. So, and I don't think Leon's done anything wrong. Leon's just now getting over. His press conferences are interesting for the first time, and I understand that was largely because of Colby, but either way, the numbers are there. The arena was sold out. The pay-per-view, did, it did very good. In fact, it did 25% better than it was expected to do. I just don't know how many numbers are actually against Leon, but guys, they must be there. I mean, there appears to be a mad dash to get that belt off him. So now let's just say you put Leon and Chemayev. Of course, you're going to have the concern that I already raised. Are you going to lose your main event the day before? Are you going to lose it at the scale? There's very good reason to be very nervous that you are. So, do you bring in a backup? Yeah, of course you do. That's how you solve that problem. Is it Blahal? <laughs> right? Rude is rude. Disrespect is like there's only so much you could do. How many times has Bahal been the actual thought he was the guy, done what he needed to be? I mean, it's one of those things. Now I'm gonna come in and assist for a spot that's already mine. You're calling me for another fan. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting. That's all. There's drama around it. That's all. And it, it appears to be the thing for today. But you have a lot of fighters out there that would like this spot, right? I am the first to come out publicly and tease an entire roster for not trying to get this spot. For openly being aware, I'm not interesting enough. I'm not a big enough star. It's not I'm not good enough, by the way. Never. It's never, oh, this guy's won, this guy's got 10 more wins. I mean, nobody knows what your records are. Nobody. I had more fights than all of you, just to personalize. I don't know what my record was. I know I was completely undefeated, but I don't know how many men I beat. I, I do not know, and that is not meant to be satire, at least not the whole, I don't know what my record was. I don't know how many times I did that. When I tell you nobody knows your record, my mother wouldn't know my record if you called her right now. Like, it's very important that you really do understand. It all comes down to one thing interesting. That's it. It's not good. It's not skill. It's not experienced. Does the crowd find you interesting? Generally, in the fight game, if you're not good at fighting, they don't find you interesting. Generally. 
So you don't really have to have this discussion. They go hand in hand. But if you were forced to dissect them, make no mistake. So when you have a roster full of guys that aren't going for this position, it's because they recognize, I, the crowd doesn't find me interesting. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I don't need to fully embarrass you and make you go out there and go for something that you're going to uh, know that you're going to get a no back. Hey, look, you, you just found out the stakes. They're not quite as high as you thought they were. If Leon versus Chemayev is the number one leading idea, come on, guys. There's some of you out there that are sitting on an idea better than that one. Bring it forward now. That's the message here. Make no mistake. If that is the leading candidate and all guns are in that direction, it's not going to stay there long. They're going to know by end of business today. Can he get to wait? Can he get into the country? Is the hand healed? Yes, sir. Today. And they're going to move on. And I will assure you, they're already moving on possible ons. They're looking for the right one. Now, if you're watching this and you're a fighter and you come to Uncle Chael for Professor Chael, for the teachings that I and only I can give, you're right to understand that you are an interchangeable mediocrity. You are right to do that. But you're also right to know that you and a specific opponent is likely as interesting as Leon versus Chemayev. And one thing that a promoter will always do is try to uh, get a roadmap. So you don't just book it today, you book it for what it can become. That's where Izzy and DDP becomes your main event. It's a decent fight today. It's not the one that people want, you guys want Strickland. But when these guys start building, if it's anything like their previous build, this will be so red hot, it'll melt the airwaves. Chemayev and Leon, whatever interest you have in it now is the interest that you're going to have when the date rolls around. So, not for nothing, if you're coming to Professor Chael, find yourself, you know, it's an opponent, but it's also a partner. You know where the bar is at, you know what you're competing with. 300's around the corner, you want an opportunity or not. This is the time. This is the time to take that shot. John Jones heckles a comedian. What do we make of that? I mean, that's going around, and that's that's a big thing. John's out letting his hair down. He, he, he sounds inebriated. Sounds like he's interfering with the comedian. Lots has been made of this. Lots of memes. Lots of headlines. You know, that's not completely what I saw. That's not completely what I saw. I thought that the comedian was a fairly willful participant. I thought the comedian did recognize him. Liked having him as part of that segment. I didn't think that John was obnoxious. I think he was interfering with him. I just, I guess, I guess I'll just throw that at you because a little bit of that tone has been off. And yes, John was out letting his hair down. And there, there seems to always be a big pushback if John Jones and and drinking in public, like if any of these come in. And that is a fascinating thing when you have the world champion or the world's greatest. That is, that is a very interesting thing. But the other side of the reality is John is a consenting adult. He was doing nothing wrong. He wasn't driving. I don't even think that he interfered with the comedian's set. I mean, the comedian did begin to engage him. And it was as though John was doing his part back and forth. I don't know a lot about it. I was, I was a little bit surprised at a couple of things. First off, that comedy club, I was a little bit surprised. I mean, there, there, there wasn't 30 people there. And I would just think that John would have access to a higher level of entertainment. John, over the weekend... Came out and he says that the UFC offered him a fight for 300, offered him the main event. And he says nothing else. Now, the, the something else would have been 
Very interesting to me. I mean, if we would have had just one more detail, and I don't think we can get it. Like, let me rework this for you. Stipe Miocic is offered John Jones. Stipe accepts the fight. They call John Jones. I don't think that would be the order of events. So in the, in the scenario I just gave you, we would have a Stipe out there. We would have another person with this information out there. We might still have hope that we could get to the bottom of this. I think John would have been called first. John is the injured party as the champion, as the A-side, as the more unlikely to say yes, is probably the first one you would go to to get a yes. So we may never know who the opponent was going to be. Certainly assume that it was going to be Stipe. One of the hard things about that assumption is Jones versus Stipe doesn't go into the category of jaw-dropping or something that you couldn't handle. Right fight, great fight, it would definitely be a treat, right? Because we're sitting here waiting for that fight. So, I mean, how cool are things you're waiting for him, you're waiting for him, and you find out you don't have to wait anymore? Like, it, it works. Don't think I'm giving the fight a hard time. It's just hard for me to believe that that was the one. And when John revealed this information, right, the information is one of two things. It is either not accurate. Okay, great. We're all done here. John did a marketing spoof. John is a terrible marketer. He's a worse promoter. Before you think those are Chael's typical insults to John, no, not at all. The point is, as you're trying to deduce, is a statement John made, a troll job or accurate information. John doesn't have a history with troll jobs. We like to be trolled. We like to troll one another. We like to guess. We like to create conspiracy theories. Then you come and give us the right answer. Okay, great. You don't get like credit for having the right answer in this space. It ends it, and we just shift that same conspiracy energy to a different topic. We like it. I just shared for you that I don't believe that that's what John's doing. I take him at his word. So that in and of itself brings on questions. John's medical chart is in that state. Whether it's, whether it's in that office on the second floor, whether, whether it's in the commission's office, who looked at John's medical records that has previously told us John is out possibly until 2025? Who looked at that and came to that conclusion and then reconcluded that he could be main event ready in six weeks? Simple question. This isn't a gotcha moment. It's a simple question. But how did we get there? It was also stated somewhere along the way that a lot of this was not John's call. There was a team that looked at the injury and said, hey, wait a minute. Put a pause on it. So I'm just sharing for you, it would seem as though that team has now come to a different opinion. Did they come to that opinion because they are now confronted with information they did not previously have? Is there an updated MRI? That's what I'm asking. Simple question, but I would be curious. And where did they stop? How far into that conversation did they get before they got a no? Well, the very first one, could you be ready? Because generally a fighter won't do that. A real tough guy will. There's not a lot of tough guys that go into fighting. Sorry. Sorry to let you down on your heroes. They're a bunch of phonies. A real tough guy would purely only look at him. Can I be ready on that date? And nothing else would matter. They wouldn't, who's the opponent, for example, would not have even been asked. 
And I don't know how far into that conversation they got, but I would be very curious. So when John comes out and tells the world that he was offered this fight and the fact that John versus Stipe is just not a jaw-dropping moment, just not. It's a great fight and we would like to have the fight, but that, that's not a question. That, that isn't Chael's opinion. That fight was booked. It was announced and tickets went on sale. They didn't move very fast. Like this isn't Chael's opinion that that's not a massive fight. That was taken to the market and that was proven. So were they going to put John against Aspinall? And now all of a sudden you do have a wow, didn't see that coming. And that's all that you have to have. To, to, to satisfy the criterion that you can't handle it, it's going to be jaw-dropping, it's something special, it's going to be a big surprise, that would have qualified and, and met that criterion. I'm sure it would. It's the thing that we were told we were never going to get for a number of reasons. Boom, here it is. Off we go. All right. But is that what we're going to do? Because if we were going to do it, or even if we were willing to do it, then we know that Stipe can be pushed aside. We know that that position is not as coveted and locked in as we once were told. And I'm just curious if we got to that step. Because it's a big deal that John revealed this piece of information. He just outed the company. He just outed them. They don't have a main event. All this stuff you're hearing about main events, this great main event that we're waiting, the big surprise, the announcement might come during the Super Bowl. They don't have it. They're buying themselves time. Anybody with the sense that God gave geese understood that. It's completely different when you're on the inside and you out them. We, we, we understand that the girl in the box on stage with the magician does not actually get cut into two pieces and then put back together. We understand that. Now, we don't quite know how the illusion was done. It would ruin it if we did. Oh, and by the way, while we're standing back and trying to figure it out, because that's part of magic, if the girl in the box comes out and tells us how it was done, it's ruined. It's ruined. It, it was a terribly unthought-out maneuver by John to reveal that information. But moreover, now that it's revealed... Who is the opponent going to be and why? Who decided that John could be ready? Who decided that the medical forms no longer were telling the story? We wanted to hear what John thought. And it's a very interesting concept. And was he the first to be called? If he would have said yes, would it then go to Stipe? If Stipe said no, too short a notice, does it go to Aspinall? If it's one of these things where we were willing to interchange it six weeks from now, can we revisit that? There was, there was a lot on that statement. It never should have been made. But it was made. And now the media has a job to ask follow-up questions. One thing I can assure you, they won't do. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language, but you didn't feel like you had the time or even the energy to invest? Maybe you took some classes in high school or college, but you haven't practiced in years. Or maybe you just want to impress your girlfriend's parents by learning their native language. Rosetta Stone has you covered. They have been the expert in language learning for 30 years and have been used by millions of people. You can download the app onto your phone or your tablet so you can learn on the go. I know many of you did not have the time to take a class or read through a book. Rosetta Stone has made learning convenient and effective through their immersive learning approach. What do I mean by immersive? 
Well, it's the same thing as if you watch MMA fights on TV, but you never get into the gym. Getting into the gym and taking kickboxing or jiu-jitsu classes helps you to understand the sport and become one with it. Rosetta Stone's lessons are designed for long-term retention of language skills rather than short-term memorization. The focus of the program is preparing you for real, authentic conversation, not just knowing a couple of translations. It's like having your own personal trainer or language learning. You can take Rosetta Stone with you onto the treadmill in your daily commute or even start the day while you're getting ready for work with just 10 minutes a lesson. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started and for a very limited time. My listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's all you have to do. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. That's a steal. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Hey, I got to tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock, and it's not just any lock. It's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm going to tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell, and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Eugene Berryman is such a breath of fresh air. Do you guys know Eugene Berryman? And I I can't tell the Eugene story without taking a shot at him. I have to take the shot. I have to, or you you can't appreciate him. 
Coach Berryman, Eugene Berryman, who I think also is managing guys. I think he is the most influential. He is the head of the table. I'm not positive he, he, he also manages the guy. I hope he does because I hope he's double dipping. He deserves, he deserves to make money. He's so good. He's not the most popular guy behind the scenes. He's just not. He, he, he comes off in a certain way. He speaks in a certain way. There's an arrogance to it. And an arrogance and a confidence, a lot of times, is just a misunderstanding. And I think we understand him pretty clear. I think he's pretty arrogant. Now, why do I like him so much? Well, first off, if anybody's got the right to be arrogant, it's the dude who hasn't been wrong yet. He owns a gym called Kickboxing. He works with kickboxers. And he signed 12 of them at one time to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And took the cream of the crop of each division to the title. And maybe that just meant title fight. But he took them to the title. He's good. He's really, really good. He kept that team together during COVID. And there's a lot of fight gyms out there. There's very few teams. Very few. I, I came from one, and I didn't know. I was the last to find out we weren't a team. We were just a fight gym. Team Quest. I thought we were a team. But it turned out we were just a fight gym, and that's okay. Most of them are. Most of them are fight gyms. Come in, get your workout in. You kind of band together, get a little bond. And if that bond doesn't work out, that's okay, too. So we all understood that going in, so there's no hard feelings. We're fight gym. We're business. Eugene Berryman built a team. You don't ever hear... Differently. You don't ever hear of somebody that was Eugene's guy. And all of a sudden, he's the, now he's at the ATT. Just by example. You, you don't ever hear of that. They all stay there, and they're all deathly loyal. And when I hear these interviews by Berryman, man, the guy speaks so straight. You want to call him arrogant for that? For what? For being right? For being right? He's never wrong. Eugene Berryman did an interview the other day. And he was talking about Israel Adesanya. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't even believe how... Uh, uh, I, I just... I hope that Izzy sees this. I hope, And I think that they do. I hope that whole team sees it, man. The, 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 you've got a big brother there. you got a father-type figure. you got an uncle-type figure. But this, this is family, the way that Eugene Burke looks after these guys. Just talking about Izzy. And, you know, Izzy's burned out. All these guys are burned out. Everybody's tired of fighting. Eugene Behrman, he dismissed that quickly. Ah, it's not even possible. It's not even possible because we've never fought him more than three times in a year. You, you can't be burnt out at a job that you do three times a year. Wow. Wow. He's right. It doesn't matter what the job is. does not matter what your shift looks like. They worked me 12 hours today, yeah, but they only did it three times a year. Like, it wouldn't matter. I had to work around the clock. I had to do two bells. But three times a year, like, it wouldn't matter. Any one of you could apply that, and you'd have to see it Berryman's way. God, there's no way to be burned out. And Berryman went a step further. And he was tying this all into Izzy dropping the strap to Strickland. Tied everything in to that. And he said, first off, no on the burnout. 
And secondly, it's the choices and lifestyle being made between fights that is what cost him that fight. Now, that's the truth, and that's not our business. If they want to keep that private, fine. But whoever asked Eugene for the interview, when he said yes, Eugene goes and he answers the questions you ask him. Some might be sensitive and some might not, but he always tells the truth, and he's always right. This guy never is wrong. And that's the kind of thing that if a coach came out and said, Izzy and that coach are no longer together. And I have a feeling it probably did the opposite. I have a feeling that Izzy saw that, read that, said, he's right. And I'm going to make these changes because I trust and respect him so much. But I did appreciate it. And somebody needs to speak on that. I mean, Izzy ends up losing a belt, a massive upset. Doesn't quite look himself. Doesn't respond quite like himself. There, 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 there was something very clearly that was different. Is that good, bad, or indifferent? But different, right? And we all saw it. What is it? Well, then we find out that there was, you know, everybody's going to let their hair down. And it's just a matter of, does that lead to a bad decision? Does that bad decision get, when you let your hair down moment, get you put in headlines? So when, when Izzy went through that, he never spoke on it. None of us really asked him because we kind of understood, didn't we? Yeah, we kind of understood. Didn't like it and this is bad, but he's being punished. He knows it's, but we don't, we don't need to tell him or retell him or kick him. He's already down. And not only that, he's now, he's got this legal issue and it cost him a belt. Like, hey, we're not going to give him a hard time. But if we did have our druthers, it would be something that he acknowledged and didn't do again. Because he is a human being that we care about, right? But this was real. Like, I really did appreciate that our community did not tease Adesanya for that or pick on him. I really did appreciate that. And I just think that Berryman is making such great points. And I, I really hope, I trust, but I, but I also do I, do, I do hope that those guys, the Dan Hooker and company, understand what they have here. They have somebody that watches them, who observes them, who cares about them, but also will uh, speak straight to them. It just doesn't happen very often. And you can't get burned out doing it three times a year. He's right. I don't want to hear about the training and the monotony. And I, I, I get it. I, I know there's more to it. But you you also hear from guys like Volkanovsky, who's very direct to tell you, man, when I'm not doing that, I don't have purpose and I'm down. So it can't be both ways. can't be I need this. I love the lifestyle. It just can't be. And this is very real, man. Dana White did an interview, and I just caught it. I think he did it like a week ago, but I saw it this morning. And they talked to him about retirement all the time. And he even said, man, I don't care about the money. And John Anik had publicly talked about, you know, some, some of the emotion that goes up and down and how it just pulls at you. And... Dana said, man, I saw Yannick's interview, and I, I'm the opposite. I want chaos. If I wake up and there's not some kind of chaos, I'll go and create it. I'll go and make If there's not conflict, I'll make it. I love it. I thrive in this stuff. You'll see a lot of people that are in positions like Dana where when it, when it all ends, they live like five years. I mean, they're, they're, they're like five-star generals. That are, they're absolutely in charge, they're, but there's major stuff going on. I mean, the world can come to an end or they can save the world, but it's, I mean, everybody's counting on them. When they retire, I mean, it's five years, they're a totally different person. They're at home. Maybe the phone rings. Maybe you play some golf. What do you do? It's just a different spot. And Dana even went as far as to say, I don't care about the money anymore. 
Now, that doesn't mean I'll give the money back in exchange for keeping the, the power and the responsibility. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean if the power and the responsibility is to go today or more money is to go today, no, I'll take the chaos. So it was a big statement that Coach Berryman made. It was a big statement. Why? Why, guys? Because it was the truth. You can't be burnt out at something by doing it three times a year. He's right. So what do you do? Because burnout and lack of motivation, this is, you're saying the same thing. Where did your motivation go? How did you lose it? What happened? What did we miss? What part of it? What can we adjust? What can we change? I mean, here's Coach Behrman. He, he's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to You're doing it three times a year. He's got to do it three and four times in evening. Same thing, same fight camp, same get a guy to a scale, same media tour, same airplanes, same hotel, same make the walk, same strategy, same pressure, except he's got to do it four times in the evening and he doesn't get tired of it. I mean, it's a really interesting point. I love how we said it. There's some things that just need said. And Coach Behrman telling the world, you don't get to overdo something that you only do three times a year. You need to change the way you're approaching it. I love it. I love it to the point that I'm grateful he said it. Is Volkanovski too old? Is his time up? Is he taking us at the wrong time? Is he slowed down? Is he over and done with? If he loses this fight, is he at a championship contention? With Volkanovski's age, if he loses this fight, does he fall the number one contender and possibly look to do an immediate rematch for the very title that he passed to somebody else or because of his age, does he move on? I mean, these are all the topics, guys. They are at DraftKings right now. My partner's got these guys, negative 118 to plus 102. I cannot believe how close Volkanovsky is to becoming the underdog. And you're not seeing anything with age. You're not seeing anything with mental capacity. You're not seeing anything based on the numbers. What you're seeing here, and you're missing it, right? It's like all things in fight business. I believe I have friends that are executives at the major companies for 20 years that don't know the fight business. But what you're seeing and the lesson you should be gathering is how helpful a loss is. None of this story of Volkanovsky 102 and 118 and is he old? Can Taporia be the one? Is Taporia the one? Is it a passing of the torch? Make sure you tune in. None of that works if Volk beat Islam. None of the storyline and the anticipation and looking at it and realizing this could be the one. Wow. This number one contender in Ilya Taporia who got here, the only way we could find to get a number one contender here, which is make sure he stays away from Max Holloway, is getting ready to bring down the greatest of all time. Not just featherweight, possibly fighter. Possibly. And before you say, no, so-and-so is better and so-and-so is better, which you have the right to do, but before you do that, make sure guys like Kamara Usman, Cosma Chamay of Henry Cejudo, Amanda Nunes, John Jones, make sure you understand 
that they have already been included in this debate and lost. Pound for pound, number one in front of all of them was Volkanovsky. So Volk is already breathing very rare air. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to bring in the Khabibs and the St. Piers, and you really don't have anybody else. When Volk surpassed John Jones and Amanda Nunes at the same time, while simultaneously being in front of Islam, Cejudo, and Kamara, it put him into a very rare category. Had he not fought, see, see, I'm telling you, if he beat Islam, this fight doesn't work from an anticipation standpoint. If he hadn't fought Islam, this fight doesn't work from an anticipation standpoint. It would be about three to one. Two things came when Volk fought Islam the second time. First off, he lost, which we didn't know that was possible. He got stopped. He The, the, the great enforceable, the, the, the thing that you can't stop, you just found that button and you flipped it to red, right? Turn him off. Didn't know that was possible. Then, collectively, you caught an interview where Superman revealed his kryptonite. Had that not happened, had that less than five minutes in time not happened, we do not have plus 102 to negative 118. We do not have anticipation. We do not have talk of a 35-year-old, which has proven to be very young in our sport. Randy Couture debuted at 34. We don't even have these conversations. And I, I bring that to you because of how helpful the loss is. You just got to know where to look. And Dan had told a story. I'll get it as close as I can, but I'll get the theme 100%. Which is, you, you don't know what good news is or what bad news is. You hear things, you have a reaction, you decide right there in that moment if this is good news or bad news. And guy, a farmer out in the olden day, but his son, his only son, his son breaks his leg. And people came to him and said, oh my God, this is, this is awful. I know hospitals back then. Imagine the pain and no anesthesia. There's not cash. You're doing the best you can. You're trying to, you got splinters between a couple of sticks you found out in the burn pile. Man, I'm just sharing for you. A big deal, break your leg. And they came and told the old man, oh my God, this is terrible news. And he said, maybe. And then two weeks later, the military came through, they were doing a draft. They were grabbing anybody that was fit and taking them to battle, and most were not coming back. But the farmer's son, because of the broken leg, could not go and did not go. And his life was saved. So you start to see, oh, maybe that, maybe that wasn't bad news. And I share that for you because nothing is more helpful than the truth. That expression that it will set you free is one of the more true expressions in life. I watched the promotion attempt to erase reality and say that John Jones had not lost. And they were doing that in an attempt that they thought that that would hurt. A 32-0 John Jones is better than a 31-1 John Jones. And they went the wrong way. They should have advertised that loss repeatedly. They should have worked within that loss. The rules are extremely clear, and John broke the rules. But why? Did he lose focus in that moment? Is he so detached from the sport of which he is king that he never knew the rule in the first place? John himself has told two different government agencies, one of them 
the police on video that he has CTE. Is that what happened? Is that why he lost control and dropped those elbows? Is John's drug and or alcohol use, is that why he had a rage and lost control, broke the rules, and was forced to be disqualified? Now, everything that I just said built a reaction in you. Some of you laughed, some of you liked it, some of you wanted to pile on, and some of you quickly wanted to come to John's defense. Either way, all I did was use the truth and make that part of the story as opposed to being so uncreative of how to tell a story that I wanted to get out my eraser and erase it. Do you guys ever watch Scorsese? Scorsese, easily the most overrated person in the industry. And I like his work. His work is fine. He's terrible at what he does for the most part. Like, there's not a lot of Scorsese movies that you're going to see where they don't have a voiceover. Now, a voiceover is kin to putting writing on this script before you fade to black and roll the credits. Like the movie is over and they put the captions on and you're supposed to read it. You only have to do a voiceover or those captions if you lacked the ability to tell the story. If there are some piece of a story that you didn't know how to tell to the audience in captured visual and captured sound, which is what a movie is, you then write it down on the screen so that they get the story because you're not very good at your job. So if you lack that level of creativity, and I'm just sharing with you, like there's parts and messages within our sport, within what is promotion. This is getting ready to be Volkanovsky's biggest fight ever. The live gate will be revealed to you. But to do a sellout in mixed martial arts in the state of California, which is a red-hot state, but to do that at 145 pounds has not been done before. This will be a first. Just to let you know how big this fight is. And before you think it's Ilya Teporia, and you might make that mistake, and I don't say this to hurt Teporia, it's not Ilya Teporia. Mr. Waddle Bottle did not just all of a sudden become a star. Or somebody talking trash to Volk. See, this is very surface level. Because that's what it appears to you. Oh, somebody's talking trash to him. Somebody's going to bring him down. None of those things are the ingredient that built this fight. This fight is built because Volk got beat. What you thought was impossible, you now know is possible. What you thought was impossible, you now view as probable. If you were to look at a younger guy who's never lost, something said for momentum, which we know is important in sport, versus a guy they had to wake up with smelling salts three months ago. It's important to know what works. It's important to know why it works. It's important to know how to make these things work. They are far more helpful. Plus 102 to negative 118 is a perception that is fully based on a perception. Doesn't matter how silly that is. Doesn't matter which way this fight goes. Volk versus Islam was three to one based on perception. It ended up being one of the most competitive and closest fights to the where the judges didn't even agree. That's what a split decision is. Where you guys didn't even agree and the promoters didn't fully agree, which is why they rematched it immediately. In spite of other things that led to it. But you, are, you, are you understanding? People miss it all the time. They don't know what to look for. They don't know what's right in front of their face. And I only bring it to you because it's, it's, it's yet another lesson. There's nowhere you can go to major in fight promotion. And there's no book that you can check out. It's a very closed mouth business. When you meet guys that know, of which there's five alive, 
And you think I can go watch their interviews? They're not going to give you the information. They're going to give you what's known as misinformation. They know fellow competitors are watching. So they educate them in the wrong direction. You got to be very careful. I'm doing my best in this situation to help and let you know what the added ingredient is. You don't think Volk is too old. And if Volk gets beat up by Tapori, it's not because he's too old. Because Tapori is better than him. Volk was the number one ranked fighter in the world this time a year ago. Volk is currently the champion of the world. So there's no, I'm too old, I'm too slow, I'm too anything. You're as good as this guy or you aren't. But that idea... That conception and perception, right? Vol Volk is younger than John Jones, who is not going to fight for years. Volk is six years younger than Steve Miocic, who's a reigning number one contender. I mean, like, this is a silly conversation, but it exists. It only exists for one reason. Because there's one thing about this fight that makes it helpful and interesting, and only one. And it's what so many people would normally run from. It's a loss. I find myself, when I speak about The Rock, not being all moonlight and canoes. And I gotta tell you, I love The Rock. I'm a, I'm a very big fan. I've never met him. I would love to meet him. But I've communicated with him. We know the same people. He sent me messages or I sent one back. He personally wrote me a very beautiful message the night I retired. And I didn't know how direct messaging worked, so I didn't get it for many months, so I never thanked him, things like this. But it was very beautiful, and he let me know that he enjoyed my work as a commentator. And whether he was just being nice or not, I took it as sincere. He said he liked my work. He said he valued it. And he didn't use these words, Chael, you tell it like it is, but it was close. It meant that. And I say that because I know he watches these pieces. And if he did mean those words, if he really does value my opinion, as somebody that can stare back and look at the board and then identify things accurately. I would imagine in his space, he doesn't have very many people like that. So I, whether falsely or even arrogantly, view myself as somebody that can get his ear and program to what he's not seeing. So when I come out and I'm not always wonderful, it does come from a good place. And it has to do because he took the time to write me. You know, personal letter is a very big deal. Personal letter goes, it goes a lot further, right, than something else. So I share that because he's in a jackpot right now, and, and, and I just feel like they're missing it. Rock's going to come in, right? And you got to get your timeline down. You got to get your timeline down. Boom. On a Thursday, Netflix announces... And it jumps the WW, well, I apologize, it jumps the TKO stock. The UFC even got a bump from this because they're, they're now in bed together. 20 plus percent. It was just under 21 percent on an announcement that they did a $5 billion Netflix deal. And one of the reasons it drove up is because people that read it and understood it saw it was for Raw. That was the fascinating part. So wait a minute, is this a misprint? I actually don't know the answer to that question. There shouldn't be misprints at that level. That could that could be viewed as a crime. You don't you don't get to make mistakes at that level. But but is it? It's almost too good to be true. Five billion over ten years for Raw. Wait a minute. You you didn't get the pay per views. You didn't get SmackDown. 
You didn't get NXT? You just got the Monday night product? Wow, that would really be incredible. I mean, that that would be shockingly great deal for WWE. So, okay, great. But that comes out on a Thursday. Boom. Vince Vince t- uh, defecates on a woman's head. That comes out on Friday. Saturday is a pay-per-view where Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar, is supposed to return. They pull him. Sunday is off, and by Monday morning, Brock and Vince do not exist in the digital universe of WWE.com. So this is your timeline, okay? Somewhere in there, The Rock joins the board of directors for TKO. Now, that is not a work of any kind. And there again... It would be a crime. I mean, not that any of you think that it's work. I'm just sharing for you that there's some real sensitivities when you start dealing with the SEC. There's some real sensitivities when you start to deal with a board of a publicly traded company where you live in in one space where nobody knows what reality is and you never live in another space where, boy, it had better all be reality. So it's, it's just an interesting juxtaposition. And also as an overlay to this is rock is going to return and when he returns he's going to take the highest spot which of course he is the rock's not going to return to open a show he's not going to return to be a co-main event of course he's going to return to the top spot now if he's volunteering to return you could put him at a royal rumble you could put him at something special you could put him at an elimination chamber for that matter it just so happens the way the dates line up they're going to put him in a wrestlemania fine that might have been the first mistake by the way But fine, this is all going to happen. So it's very in line with wrestling, right? If you bring the top draw in and wrestlers are incentivized to want the top draw on top of the bill, even if it's not them, even if it means bumping their own dreams, they're incentivized. The way the money works is they also take a value on the house. It's a meaningfully different component that they have versus what we have. We in MMA took our cues from them. Lorenzo Fertitta told the world as much. But one thing he did not take was that live gate component because Lorenzo wasn't doing house shows. So he didn't think it was relevant that he do take the house component. I'm only pointing to that distinction because it would be very normal and even supportive for what The Rock did. The Rock did nothing wrong by returning and agreeing to go to the top of the bill. That may they called him and said, you want to return without even stating it, he's going to the top of the bill. And without even discussing it, He's going to put the other guy over. He's not going to win a one, two, three if the title's on the line. Which is why if you would have used him somewhere else, you might have put him in a non-title match. And that way, he could win. You wouldn't know at that point. But you can't sell something where people know the finish. So when The Rock is going to come in, so you got, you got to understand there, there was a big, a big mix-up made here. They misread the room. It was supposed to be Cody Roman, Rock steps in, bump Cody, put Rock opposite Roman. And it's not what the crowd wanted. They knew they had to run that back. They knew they had to run that back and they needed to fix it. And the crowd was very passionate and they were not playing. Now, business probably would have done the same thing. You probably would have attracted and moved just as much. It for sure was sellouts. It's likely going to do very good numbers on TV as well. It's probably not going to change. But that's not one of the rules of wrestling. 
And when you're at the biggest event of the year, which is WrestleMania, you observe and show an absolute integrity and respect to the rules of wrestling, which is you give the crowd what they want. Number one. You want to finish that thought. You give them what they want, not what they're expecting. But either way, it's in that order. You give them what they want. We got to get Cody back in there. Got to get the rock out. So they decide they're going to bring these big three to a SmackDown, a Thursday night SmackDown. They do bring them. The Rock turns heel, but there's nowhere to turn heel because he didn't pick up a full schedule. He doesn't even have a full contract. He's supposed to do a couple of appearances and then WrestleMania. So to turn him heel was confusing. To go heel, he smacks Cody somewhere when The Rock shows up and he's supposed to be the main event. Somewhere in slapping Cody, The Rock gets pulled, Cody gets put back in. So they achieved what they needed to achieve, which is to pull The Rock, insert Cody. But making The Rock heel and doing a slap and how you get from a slap and a heel to now you lose your spot, it's just, it was it was a stretch. And I'm okay with the whole thing because that can all be part of the work, right? Like, I, I'm not sitting back and I stopped right here and these are the mistakes. Right? No, it's all a story. You come in, you realize some of these things, maybe you even knew it ahead of time. You fix it come Monday night, you adjust it a little more, you change it by the next Thursday. Like, I, I understand this part of the process. What I'm here to tell you is they're going with the wrong story. They're going with the wrong story. The Rock and Roman are related. I think it's a cousin situation. It might be an uncle-nephew situation. They're related, and everybody knows they're related. They should have used that. Cody took on the WWE, and he won. Cody took on Vince McMahon straight up. You and me, lined in the sand. Here's what you did to my brother. Here's what you did to my mother-in-law. Here's what you did to my father. wasn't all great stuff. And here's what I'm going to do to you. And Cody stuck it to him. Bad. Real bad. AEW doesn't exist without Cody's personal vendetta and strategy. Opposite WWE, headlined by Vince. Vince is now gone. And Cody is headlining WrestleMania. He did it by himself. Roman is around. And he's going to headline WrestleMania. But his flesh and blood sits on the board of directors. That is your story. And The Rock should not apologize for it. You don't become healed because you came out and you slapped a guy at a fake press conference. You become healed for the heelish move that you actually did. You joined the board. You used your influence. You stole a spot from a guy. Now, everyone knows The Rock's going to the main event and it happened to be Mania. We all get, there's nothing there that anybody would push back against. He doesn't have to go against Roman. He could have gone against Cody. He went against Roman and bumped Cody because they're flesh and blood. He came into a business filled with nepotism and he invoked nepotism. He jobbed the guy that took on the company that destroyed his family. And he won. Cody's still there. And Cody's still standing. And he did it all by himself. And it was the ultimate strategy of leaving the organization, going on the free market. Nobody even knows what that means. Well, that's because they don't know that Cody has teamed up with Khan. is going to start an entire promotion. Starts the promotion. Raises to the top. Stabs that promotion in the back to go back here to get what he wanted in the first place, which was a headlining spot at WrestleMania. And the one, two, three. So he gets just that close last year, but it's still your family versus my family. And Vince took it from him. And that's why Vince took it from him. And that's the truth. 
And there's Cody on his own, family broken apart. Some of them rest, rest their soul. Very tough stuff. But he still fought and he's still winning. And when it was one-on-one, he beat them all. And the way that Roman Reigns was going to beat him was an unfair fight that wasn't one-on-one. It's going to be multiple us versus you. Oh, by the way, we got a seat at the board. And that's the story they should have told. The real story. Nothing throughout wrestling has ever worked like the real story. Nothing. Even the guys that try, even when Vin Diesel was trying to come at The Rock one time to sell some tickets to Fast and Furious 7, which was already selling, but it's just weird stuff. We just see through it. So they came in, they did a slap, they changed the card, seat at the table, whatever you're doing, finish the story, or they could have told the truth, which is a way better story. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening. You know, I asked you all, all of you that listen on Spotify, I just want to know if you still care about Chandler versus McGregor. And I got to give a shout out to Chevy because he took the time to respond to me. He said, you know what, Chael? I'm not interested. I'd rather see you, meaning Uncle Chael, take it on George Masvidal. Well, there's an idea I hadn't considered, Chevy. And you know what, to all of you, I do want to thank you. And if I don't have time to respond, I hope that I at least get to speak to you through the airwaves. And we're going to do that again on Friday. Until then, I'm Shale Sonnen. And you are welcome. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.